Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to a new edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a really good weekend and a great start to the brand new week. We have a lot to talk about and get into on this episode. The aftermath of the NBA trade deadline and the buyout market. Who are the winners, losers? Who are the sleepers? We'll get into that as well as the NCAA tournament. Yes, right. We are finally upon the Elite Eight, heading down to the Final Four. And hopefully, we, at some point, we will crown a champion. Who will that champion be? We'll get into that. Also, Major League Baseball, or Major League Baseball Players Association, I should say, is looking into moving or willing to move possibly the All-Star game from the state of Georgia. We'll get into why and should they do it, all that and more coming up here on TMA with Nick Hamilton. Now, before we get started... You know what you have to do. Make sure you follow me on Instagram. Make sure you follow me on Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA. Make sure you hit me up and follow me in in uh, on Twitter <laughs> at Twitter at Nick Hamilton two one three. I got so many handles. I got to remember which ones are which, y'all. So forgive me. But anyway, let's get right into it. Major League Baseball. Now we all know Major League Baseball opening day is just a couple of days away. We're going to have a full one hundred and sixty two game season plus. Uh, you know playoff play in and all that plus uh various rounds of the playoffs and once again crowning a world series champion now a lot of people have uh several teams in the mix for that championship some people have the dodgers some people have the yankees some people have uh possibly the padres making it whatever your team is i know everybody's going to be excited for baseball to finally return in its full capacity as am i but however on this show, I try to make sure that if we talk about sports and we keep it sports friendly and sports heavy. I don't like to mix, you know, politics or things of that nature because I have other shows and there are other shows that you can go to when you want to hear that. But oftentimes, especially in this day and age, things bleed into one bleeds into the other. Uh, and so recently, um, the MLB and MLBPA uh, have made it, there was a report that they could move the all-star game that's scheduled in Atlanta, Georgia at Sunkiss, uh, SunTrust Park, rather, uh, to be moved due to Georgia's brand new law regarding voter suppression. Uh, there have been a, a, quite a many reports, as we saw, I'm sure some of you saw the video uh, of a, a woman who was in political office who happened to knock on the door and was, uh, was arrested for knocking on the door. Uh, of another public uh, political official uh, because of such law being passed in the state of Georgia. Now, the problem with that is, let me let me break it down for everybody that may not be too familiar about what's going on in the state of Georgia. Now, there are voting rights act, uh, advocates and Democrats alike that have slammed the new Georgia uh, voting registration, uh, legislation law rather, uh, which also limits the use of ballot drop boxes and sets photo ID requirements for absentee voting amongst other restrictions. 
Now, recently, President Biden dubbed the measures as the Jim Crow of the 21st century and announced that, uh, on last Friday that the Department of Justice is taking a look into their legalities. Now, the reform bill was signed by Governor Brian Kemp uh, on late Thursday, which overhauled a state election law in the area that experienced record-breaking voter turnout in the 2020 presidential election. We all know how much and how impactful that election was uh, to sending two members from the Democratic Party into the uh, into the House, into the Senate. Uh, Georgia has been the center of the voting rights battle for decades, uh, but the Democrats have won the presidential election, as well as two U.S. Senate runoff seats in 2020, which was a major shift uh, from a Republican stronghold. Now, many athletes, as you recall, a lot of the athletes, a lot of WNBA players and even the NBA players uh, were heavily involved in the voting rights and access for interstate uh, there were a lot of WNBA players, if you recall, you know, campaigning for uh, Raphael Warnock, who was one of the uh, the individuals that won a Senate seat, along with LeBron James, who created, along with Trey Young, who was a member of the Atlanta Hawks, uh, and several other uh, athletes to create the More Than a Vote initiative, which get which gave opportunities uh, in areas for many people who did not have full access to vote who happen to become from black and brown communities, largely black communities, uh, to have the access to vote. That's why they opened up a lot of the arenas. That's why they opened up a lot of the stadiums where people can have access and, a lot, and more people can have access, especially during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, to have access to, to have rights to vote. And then also opening it up for absentee ballots to be processed through the mail in various places like that. Uh, more than the vote, which is LeBron James initiative, has already started a new campaign uh, fighting these this new law uh, against you know voter uh, restricting voter access. So to me, here's the problem I have with this. It basically limits the Georgia law. Basically limits where voters can drop off ballots, require additional layers of identification for absentee voters. It narrows who can use the provisional ballot, and it authorizes state legislator to override local election officials. The law also makes it a crime. Hear me out when I say this. The law also makes it a crime to provide food or water to voters waiting in line to cast their ballots. So that, that means, as we've seen across the country, there have been times where ballot boxes were knocked off or destroyed or moved, and it, it forced people that lived 50 to 60 miles away to go 50 to 60 miles to their nearest polling place versus having a polling place maybe a mile or a half a mile or a couple of blocks away. It, 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 it restricts that. Also, if you recall, I remember back in 2008 when President Obama was elected to be president and how there were massive lines for people to wait to get in to vote. And people stood out there for hours. And Imagine senior citizens. Imagine people who were, you know, handicapped in some way. Imagine people who could not stand in those long lines and not have access to water or some type of liquid to keep them hydrated so they won't pass out and have to go to the hospital. That's been forbidden according to this new law. Now, how inhumane is that? And then you're you're forcing people to say, well, you can't cast absentee ballots. So there are many people, especially senior citizens, who may not be able to get out into the elements and cast their vote, which is why it makes it easier for them to do an absentee ballot. Some of you listening have 
grand grandparents, aunts, uncles, mothers, fathers, whoever, they can't necessarily get out. Now they in Georgia, they would have to roll them out just so they can cast their ballot, which is sub- subsequently this is nothing but voter suppression, especially in the black and uh, and people of color communities. Because they don't want a repeat of what transpired in 2020 and 2021 where Warnock and the other uh, member was uh, was voted in to the United States Senate. So as a result of that, Major League Baseball decided to say, you know what, we was we would consider moving the All-Star game because this is unconstitutional and it's inhumane. You heard what President Biden said last week about his investigation and what he's looking into it. So the MLBPA uh, head honcho named Tony Clark told the Boston Globe, quote, as a result of the All-Star game, we have not had a conversation with the league on that issue. If there is an opportunity to, we will look forward to having that conversation, end quote. Now, L.A. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts currently uh, slated to manage the National League in the All-Star game because he won last year's World Series, told the L.A. Times he would consider skipping the game if MLB doesn't move the game. Quote, if it gets to that point, it'll certainly be a decision I'll have to make personally. When you're trying to restrict African-American votes, American citizens, that's alarming to me to hear, end quote. Dave Roberts is absolutely right. And I really hope that Dave Roberts follows through on this along with MLBPA because now you have a responsibility because you are representing for the people. We always talk about how much you love the fans, how much you support the fans. Well, those some a lot of those fans are people that will not have the access or the opportunities to vote in their local communities. And it's, it's, it, it's done that way on purpose. So if you go along with continuing to have the All-Star game in Atlanta, Georgia, or the outskirts of Atlanta, then you are in agreement with what this Georgia law stands for. Major League Baseball needs to take a strong stance for some for something outside of steroid use and make a stance for the people. If you truly care about the fans and if you truly care about what's going on around you that affects all of us, as you heard Dave Roberts so eloquently put, as you heard, as you heard the MLB PA chief Tony Clark say, it is time for Major League Baseball to stand up. It is time for Major League Baseball, the Players Association, to stand up and do exactly what is right for the people. Because if you don't, you are just as guilty as the Georgia lawmakers. Because this is unconstitutional. I don't care what law, what this law says. You don't treat people, people like this. This is inhu- it's an inhumane way to treat people. So if you're Major League Baseball, look at what the NFL did back in 1990. You remember what the NFL did back in 1990? Let me remind you. Arizona was scheduled to host a Super Bowl in 1993. But because the state of Arizona refused to acknowledge the Dr. Martin Luther King holiday, the NFL had the balls enough to say, you know what? We're not going to participate in the state of Arizona until they recognize the holiday that needs to be recognized. And only then. And years later, it took for the state of Arizona to recognize that it was time for them to recognize the holiday only because from an economic standpoint, because money was being taken away from that state because the NFL refused to have uh, a Super Bowl 
it refused to have a Super Bowl in that state. They didn't have a Super Bowl again until 1996. Let's let's bring it a little bit more current. 2016, the NBA decided to skip out in North Carolina on their All-Star game because they refused to have rights afforded to the LGBTQ community. If you recall that, Adam Silver was very stern on that decision. And only then did the state realize, okay, you know what? That law may be a little bit too too harsh. So MLB is going to have to put economics in front of their decision, meaning it's going to take economics for the state of Georgia to change their decision. Because if they don't change their decision, and if they don't stand up, rather, let me let me rephrase that. If they don't stand up, rather, and they don't allow themselves to be seen as an organization that's going to stand up for the people, then you wonder why people don't really support or follow baseball. And the only way that Georgia is going to have pressure to change this law is through economics. Because when you start pulling monies away from a state that can utilize those funds, that's when real change happens. So it's time for Major League Baseball that has less than 7% black American baseball players. That only has four black owners out of all of the teams that they have. Only four black owners are upstairs in the owner's box. It's time for Major League Baseball to take a stand and step into the 21st century. You want, quote unquote, America's pastime to be more diversified, then you got to take a stand right here and right now. And here's your opportunity to make a strong statement along with MLBPA. And I applaud Dave Roberts for even speaking out on this issue the way he's spoken out on it thus far. And I hope a lot more managers start to speak out on this issue white or black or latino because it's not just even though it it concerns black folks and people of color it concerns any person that lives in a certain area and georgia knows exactly what it's doing this is why they didn't want stacy they 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 cheated stacy abrams out of getting this the the governor's seat but you know what she's the main catalyst for why we have two people in the united states senate because she fought long and hard to make sure that, that she turned the tables in the right in the right area, in the right ways. So MLB, you know what to do. Let's see if you have the gall enough to do it. All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to get into a little NBA talk, the aftermath of the NBA trade deadline and the buyout market, who are the winners and losers, and who are we sleeping on, and who are truly the Monstars, and who are the Toon Squad. We'll get into that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall. It's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning tell me don't it won't impossible and uh, the word can't is the word can and the word don't is the word do and the word won't is the word one and in the word impossible it's possible what are you telling you tell them 
you know, that, that all it can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go! This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah! All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA and also on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Now we're going to get into the NBA, the aftermath of the buyouts, the trades, what's going to happen in the second half of the season, who's going to make a strong playoff push or not. We'll get into all of that and more with one of my favorite journalists. She stays on top of it. You've seen her all over the place. She's the hardest working lady in the world of media. Uh, great media personality. You can see her on SNY TV. You can catch her on Sports Illustrated. And also iHeartMedia, the one and only Ashley Nicole Moss. What's going on, Ashley? How you doing? What's up? How are you? I feel like I haven't spoken to you forever. There's a lot been going on. A lot of things have been moving and shaking in the sports world. That would be you, and, and because you're so busy, you, yeah, you don't speak to the, the, the people like myself too much. But it's okay. I, I'm glad you came on the show. <laughs> no, I appreciate you coming on, though. Uh, first of all, congratulations to all the things that you've accomplished thus far. Uh, Sports Illustrated, SNY TV. I know that was a dream of yours uh, from when you were young uh, to be on that platform. So, congratulations to you on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, being from New York and not being my hometown, you know, SNY is a big deal. And to just kind of have that platform to reach so many New York households and just touch that market even more, it's just, it's really been a dream country. So I'm very excited. That's a beautiful thing. So speaking of which, let's get into the NBA. We know the buyout market has pretty much been sold up. At least the major players have been sold up. We know LaMarcus Aldridge has decided not to go to the Miami Heat as once reported or thought, but now he decided to go to the Brooklyn Nets to join KD, James Harden, and uh, Kyrie Irving and those guys. And then we find out on Sunday that Andre Drummond had decided to join LeBron and AD uh, and Montrez Harold and those guys with the Los Angeles Lakers. So to me, this is truly a real-life modern-day Monstars versus the Tomb Squad. Uh, <laughs> And a lot of people are mad at the Nets because they feel like the Nets are stacking the deck, which I personally have no problem with. But a lot of people do. Uh, a lot of people in our profession do as well. Uh, and you look at the Toon Stars, which are the Lakers. Who has the who has the sizable or is, or is there a sizable advantage uh, with these two gentlemen signing with their respective teams? And uh, what do you see from the Nets? And then what also what do you see from the L.A. Lakers moving forward? I definitely think the Nets still have the advantage in this conversation. I just think that they have more offensive power. That backcourt is stacked. Now the front court has got some help, which was definitely lacking after, you know, the trade that brought James Harden to the Nets. They lost a lot of that debt. So I definitely think that the advantage still sits with Brooklyn. 
And I mean, I don't understand why, I understand why people are upset, but this is just what modern basketball has become, right? A lot of these guys are teaming up with each other. They're friends in real life. They do business deals, they go on vacations, and they probably share ideas like, hey, wouldn't it be great to play with each other? I know your free agency is coming up. And this is what happens. Now, if you like the old school way of basketball, the Jordan era, or even the Kobe Bryant era, which I think was probably the last time you didn't see this in such um, a majority, then yeah, you probably hate what basketball has become because it's a lot of super teams and then you have teams in the middle that basically get the scraps and it's just very lopsided in who goes to the championship, who's always in the playoffs, things like that. I think Brooklyn probably is taking the idea of super teams to the next level. What they're essentially doing, they have the highest payroll for three guys. That's insane. Three guys are making $115 million this season alone. Then... They're getting these guys on veteran minimums and basically paying them scraps and paying them in promises saying, hey, you probably will win a championship. So come over over to Brooklyn. We're not going to pay you much, but you'll get that ring. So it rubs people the wrong way, but it's just what basketball has become. And what, what is from the L.A. Lakers perspective, obviously Andre Drummond met with the media on Monday. Uh, expressing how much he was excited to join the Lakers. Uh, he had been rumored you know, as one of the two teams between the Lakers and the Boston Celtics. The Lakers won out, obviously. And he was just extremely excited to be a part of LeBron and AD uh, team. But we all know that LeBron and AD are several weeks away from returning. What, what do you see from the L.A. Lakers moving forward uh, as far as just them trying to jail, bring Andre Drummond in the phone, who hasn't played basketball in almost two months? Yeah. So, um, well, first, I know Drummond wasn't coming to the Knicks. I know Knicks fans had high hopes for that. It was a very love-hate relationship. 50% of Knicks fans hated it, and 50% of them loved the idea. I knew that if he was trying to compete for a championship right away, the Knicks obviously could not compete in that conversation. That is not happening anytime soon. So he obviously wasn't interested in building. He wanted to go to something that was already pre-existing. And, you know, again, this is the nature of the beast. But I think the Lakers are going to continue to kind of have this up and down um, season until LeBron or AD gets back, whoever comes back sooner. It's because, one, they need that they need that driving forth the nucleus of the team, if you will, to kind of keep them all centered. I feel like what's going on right now is that they're kind of all over the place because both of their leaders are gone. You don't have that magnetic pull of focus, keeping them all and gelling them all together. I don't think Drummond's going to be an immediate difference maker in terms of changing this team around. I think, like I said, you're going to see them continuously going up and down until one of their superstars returns. Yeah, I think also, I and maybe I'm an error or maybe I'm accurate on this. You let me know. But I, I believe that Andre Drummond brings a little bit more versatility to this Frank this Frank Vogel coach team. Something similar, not exact, but similar to what they had in the 2020 season as they made that push towards the championship. What do you see from Andre Drummond? How do you feel like they can co- he can coexist alongside a guy like Anthony Davis? I think Drummond's going to be okay with just playing his role. I think when you're joining a team like the Lakers, you know it's not going to be about you. You're not going to be the sole focus of that offense or that defense. You're just going to be there to fill your role and do what the superstars on the team and the coach tells you to do. And I think he knew that going into the situation. I think he was okay with that. Um, I think also it was one of the reasons why he didn't want to join any other team because maybe he didn't want to go ahead and have the responsibility of being part of building anything. 
Um, I think whenever, like I said, you join a LeBron or Anthony Davis-led team or a team with the both of them like the Lakers have, you're just there to do what you can to help them to win. And that's at the end of the day. So I don't think Drummond's going to have a hard time fitting into the system. I think they already know where they want to use him, how they want to use him rather. It's just whether or not he's going to be able or how long it's going to take him really to get acclimated into the way that they want to use him. That's going to be the big question. Now, staying a little bit on the West Coast, let's go across the hall to the Los Angeles Clippers, who also made a move in acquiring uh, the services of Rajon Rondo. We all know uh, what Rajon Rondo has brought to the table since the time he, he entered the NBA. Uh, but obviously, the, the Clippers had to give up quite a bit uh, with giving up Lou Williams, sending him back home to the Atlanta Hawks, along with two second round picks. What did you think about that move and how does that help or does that help the Los Angeles Clippers moving forward, having a guy like Rajon Rondo in the fold? Well, first of all, I know Lou was thrilled to get back to Lou Willville, home of the home of Magic City and the Lemon Pepper Lou Will special. So I know he's okay in Atlanta. Um, it was definitely surprising, and for and for Rondo, you know, Rondo has a great basketball IQ. I think he's a vet in this game. He brings a lot of knowledge. He's a great locker room guy. You haven't really heard. I mean, back in the Boston days, there was a little bit of hoorah, whatever, behind that, behind the scenes there. But I think he's kind of changed that narrative. And as he's gotten older, he's really worked on the things that he needed to work on. And he's just been a beneficial aspect in part to whatever team he joins. Um, I don't think he's going to be the savior of the Clippers. I don't think he's going to be a huge difference maker. He's definitely going to fill some um, offensive gaps that they have, you know, especially he's going to be coming off the bench, I would assume. But it's going to be in the hands of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They are the superstars of that team. They are Batman and Robin. We can't have way off P like we did in the bubble. We can't have Kawhi being the quote-unquote nice guy. There's no more room for that because now if the Clippers don't produce, especially with LeBron and AD being out of the way for a certain amount of time, that is the Clippers' opportunity to pounce. That is their opportunity to really go ahead and make the gap so large that when LeBron comes back, He's going to have to work overtime to get the Lakers back to where they were when he left. So I feel like that responsibility still relies or still falls in the lap of Kawhi and PG. There's no more being nice. Now you got to get aggressive. Uh, that's a fair point. When I look at the, the rest of the Western Conference, you look at the Denver Nuggets, who to me, I crowned them as the winners of the trade, the trade market because of what they were able to acquire and not have to give up so much and also the Portland Trailblazers who acquired Norman Powell, who I think is a, a, a very quiet star who people continue to overlook. What did you think about those moves and who uh, is going to be a more difficult challenge in the Western Conference during playoff time? I was really upset that the Trailblazers got Norman Powell because I wanted him for my Knicks. That was the that was my pick who I was rallying for the Knicks to go ahead and make a move for. So the Trailblazers definitely got a good one there. I think they're the sleeper team in the West. I think you have to watch out for Portland. I think what has really been their detriment is the inability to stay healthy. And I think that if that's not something that they're dealing with towards playoffs, I think this team is dangerous. They have a lot of offensive help. They have a lot of guys who are hungry and, and want to be there. I think they have a great team chemistry because a lot of those guys have already played together. And it seems to be an easy system for people to get acclimated to. I don't know if that's because you have Dame there, you have CJ there, you have Melo there. Those are guys easily 
you know, it's easy to get along with them, easy to kind of play with them. But I think that they are a team that's due for a serious run in the playoffs. And every year we seem to get them closer and closer to seeing that run manifest. And last year it was plagued again by injuries. And I don't think it's ever been lack of talent for Portland. I think it's like what I said, always getting injured at the wrong time. So if that's not a situation this time around, definitely look out for Portland. So what did you think about the moves with Aaron Gordon going to the Denver Nuggets along with JaVale McGee as well? How significant will that be and how much depth did that, or does that add any depth to the Denver Nuggets that are already pretty much, to me, in my estimation, loaded? Yeah, Denver's scary also. Those guys are huge. Like, you want to talk about a big team? That's a big team in Denver. Like, that is a group of oversized fellas on one squad. And I think Denver is another one that you would have to look out for as well. I think, you know, the inexperience of the playoffs at least with that unit, is what kind of caused them, you know, to get a little bit shaky in the bubble. But even in the bubble, they forced a seven-game series. It wasn't like it was a pushover. And I know a lot of people want to say the bubble was a different type of experiment and it was a different type of playoff, and, and that doesn't really count. It counts. At the end of the day, it counts. It counts in the record books. It counts in the championship books. The stats count. It counts. So I'm interested to see, and I think Aaron Gordon's going to have, you're going to see a different tier of basketball for him from him because I just think he was just fed up with his situation in Orlando, as you can imagine. And that, you know, that team had no problem getting rid of like half their team. They were ready to just clean house. JaVale McGee, I'm not expecting much from him. I think he kind of just, again, fills roles. Um, he's not somebody that is going to be a huge difference maker, but the Aaron Gordon pickup was huge for them. Yeah, I agree. So I'm glad you brought up your Knicks, Ashley, because I have a question. Since you are an avid Knicks supporter, I won't call you a fan because I don't want to. I know you're a supporter of the Knicks. What the hell is wrong with James Dolan? Why can't he just stay the hell out the way? In what regard? What are you asking? <laughs> Which way? <laughs> I mean, th this is the same guy that started. He's throwing people out again. He's He's causing issues. And this team is actually doing really well. I mean, in comparison to what they have been doing the past few years, I mean, this is a, obviously a playoff-bound team for the first time, a serious playoff-bound team for the first time in I, I know many years. I mean, you guys have an all-star and Julius Randle on the squad. I like Tom Thibodeau as the head coach. I think he's done a really good job. Um, what? I mean, th just stay the hell out the way. Stop creating headlines for yourself. The headlines should be about what's going on on the court at Madison Square Garden, not what's going on upstairs from the ownership at Madison Square Garden. Listen, James Dolan reminds me a lot of Jerry Jones. He just can't sit down and just enjoy the the fruit of his labor, if you will. He just needs to have his hands in so many different pots to the point that it's almost annoying. James Dolan just, you know, he's never been satisfied with just being an owner. He wants to be seen. He wants to be heard. He wants to be respected. And that's just not from the players. That's not just from the media and especially from the MSG media. That's also from the fans. And you can't get away, at least not in Dolan's house, saying anything that's less than complimentary of him. So that's not a surprise to Knicks fans at all. I think maybe it's a surprise to everybody else because nobody can believe that somebody could be that asinine, I guess, with the way that they handle um, the freedom of speech, if you will, the freedom of speech conversation. But that's not a surprise to me at all. James Dolan is who he always has been. And that is, this is James Dolan's world and we're just living in it. So... I mean, that's a four-year-old in a grown man's body, I swear. I want you – now, there was another reporter 
that I want to talk about too. And I follow her pretty well as, uh, you know, I follow her pretty well. And she really nailed something on the head. Oh, what, what is her name? Ashley, Nicole Moss. That's who nailed it on the head about Victor Oladipo. That a lot of people, that some people try to come at you about. So I want to give you, I'm going to step back and let you talk because you called Victor Oladipo going to the Miami Heat before it happened. And I'm talking about days before it happened. And I believe you even possibly maybe mentioned it uh, months prior. But I know for certain you talked about that days before it went down. So where are the critics now? (laughs) Right? Can't hear you. No. So when I was on the Miami Heat beat um, during the whole craziness that is known as the offseason and all the moves during, you know, with Giannis and Bradley Beal and was Bam going to sign his extension and this and that and everything in between, there was conversations about where Victor Oladipo would end up. Now, this was obviously prior to him landing in Houston. Um, I spoke to a Miami Heat player, an anonymous player, who's still part of the team, and basically said that after the Heat had swept the Pacers in the bubble, Oladipo had come out. And this was reported by a bunch of other people. I was just able to confirm it um, in my conversation with a current player. And he did come up and, you know, inquire jokingly, if you will, about playing with the team and how much he wants to be in Miami and how much he respects the culture and what the guys are building and how much he would love to be part of it. And this was back in November, I want to say. Yeah, like November-ish. So it didn't happen right away. Obviously, he made a pit stop in Houston, but he finally got his wish. And now he's in the 305. And I think you're going to see um, a different Victor Oladipo in Miami. I think you're going to see him kind of resurge and and rise from the ashes like a phoenix. I know we haven't been seeing the best play from him, especially in his last season in Indiana. Haven't really been seeing the greatest play from him in Houston. I don't think that's going to be a problem in Miami. I think those guys have, especially Jimmy Butler and Bam, they have a way of bringing out the best in guys. And also, I just think the culture in Miami, Eric Spolstra, a lot of respect for him. Pat Riley, the godfather, the genius, the goat, whatever you want to call him. And there's a different level of expectations in Miami. But because of what they promise, a lot of guys are willing to rise to the occasion. So I knew 48 hours in advance that Kyle Lowry, that wasn't going to happen. It was always Victor Oladipo. Do you see him re-signing uh, in Miami? Definitely. I think if Miami's willing to, you know, take that on, absolutely he'll resign. I think, again, Miami's one of those places, one, everybody wants to play here. It just, it is what it is. It's warm weather. You know, there's no property tax, if you will. So you can get a lot for your money. You can keep a lot in your paycheck. And also the team does well. The team is relevant. The team is constantly in the playoffs, you know, at least these last few seasons. So it's going to be a nerf for him. It's also going to be, you know, Miami's one of those places, if you do well, the fans will embrace you. If you don't do well, the fans will deny you and they will push you to the side. So I think if you can go ahead and, you know, kind of start playing the way he did when he first got into the league and towards the middle of his career and kind of recreate that magic down here in Miami, there's no reason that he won't be resigned or that he won't resign, rather. And damn it, it's South Beach. That's all that I need to <laughs> All that needs to be said. Last thing before I let you get on out of here, we finally found out when the release date of the new Space Jam movie starring LeBron James was going to be debuting July 16th. Are you going to go watch it? I'm going to watch it out of pure curiosity, but I'm a 90s kid. I already have a Space Jam. You know what I mean? My Space Jam had Michael Jordan in it. 
my Space Jam had, you know, I Believe I Can Fly and Welcome to the Space Jam. My Space Jam had um, Pepe Le Pew and Lolo and Lola Bunny, you know, the original yes. Bunny and Pugs. I don't really need another one. I don't even really understand the synopsis of it. I read it. I really don't understand what the movie really is even about. It sounds like he kind of follows his son into like this alternate universe and outer space. And that's where his space, I don't know. I don't like the fact that, you know, the Admiral isn't in it. Charles Barkley isn't in it. I, I don't see it being necessary. I mean, you could have just put Space Jam on HBO Max and shown that to the younger kids, but you know, LeBron's going to do what LeBron wants to do. So only time will tell. And Pepe, Pepe Le Pew's not even in it. They cut him from the film. Which is ridiculous <laughs> to me. Like Pepe Le Pew, this, I don't know. It's just a, it's a level of sensitivity that I'm just not accustomed to when we're talking about a cartoon. If we were talking about an actual human being, I can understand that. But a cartoon that you can rewrite and kind of adapt to today's time, I mean, it just makes zero sense to me. But Wait, why didn't they put him in it? They said because he's allegedly he supports rape culture, or he he's uh, showing that it's okay for rape culture, whatever the hell that means. I never got that from a damn cartoon. Oh, because, because of the way he's like a lover with the girls, and he gives yeah. permission to think French. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I I'm like you. I like the original Space Jam. I mean, first of all, you have the you have the Michael Jordan Space Jam shoes. You have the Jordan Elevens that came out. Then you had, like you said, you had all these other NBA stars, and it was a different time frame. So the '90s were to me a really great time for basketball in general. Um, so you're not going to take that away. I would have, and I like LeBron James. Don't get me wrong, but I, if anybody was going to redo this movie, I thought the late Kobe Bryant would have been much better for this role. Because he kind, of, he kind of gives you that Jordan S type of behavior, um, and maybe he passed on it. Maybe he was he was approached with it, and maybe you know Kobe being Kobe, he probably passed on it. Like, hey, I don't want to, you know, I want to do stuff behind the scenes. Maybe maybe that was the case. Maybe we'll find out at some point down the road. But and maybe LeBron was presented with it and said, okay, hey, I'll take the reins. Who knows? But I'm not enthusiastic. Just like I wasn't enthusiastic about seeing coming to America too. And listen, I saw it and I could have not seen it. It was not necessary in the slightest bit. And I told people that and they said I was a hater. It just wasn't necessary. There are just some things that don't need a remake. I don't need a remake of Scarface. I don't need a remake of Boys in the Hood. I don't need a remake of Space Jam. I don't need a remake of, you know, The Godfather. I don't need a remake of any of it. It's fine. Just leave it alone. It's okay. We don't have to remake everything. I don't need to remake or set it off. I'm so glad that Vivica Fox and those and those Queen Latifah and those ladies allowed did not allow that to happen. Thank you. Did not need to hear that. All right, y'all. We got to get on out of here. But thank you so much to Ashley Nicole Moss, who was kind enough to join us here on the program. Please let us know where we continue to keep up with you and all of your nine million jobs that you have because you do such great work. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ash Nicole Moss, and then also subscribe to my YouTube channel, All In With Ashley Nicole, and you can catch me on Sports Illustrated socials, SNY, on the weekends, and of course, iHeartRadio. And don't forget, you can also catch on H&B Media TV as well. Uh, she'll be dead. She's also on there a lot. Uh, great job, Ashley. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, and we'll definitely be talking to you soon, uh, especially definitely in the playoffs. Thank you so much. 
All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to get into some college hoops. The Elite Eight is upon us, getting down to the Final Four. How much is your bracket busted? Who are the surprises? Who are the winners and losers? All that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall. It's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word won. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What are you telling? You're telling them, you know? You know, that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on Instagram. And on Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA. You can also follow me on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. All right, we got another guest in the house who's going to break down and give us some insight on the world of college basketball. I know many of our brackets have already been busted. Some of our teams have not made it. Some surprises, some not so much surprises uh, when it comes to the world of college basketball. We're actually approaching the Elite Eight, headed to the Final Four, and ultimately the championship. Now, to help me break everything down when it comes to the world of college basketball, I have Deshaun Tate, who is a basketball analyst and podcast host. Deshaun, what's going on, man? How you doing these days? Man, Nick, I'm outstanding, my brother. Thank you for asking, man. It beats the alternative. I guess I should say Merry Christmas, because that's what time of the year that it is for your boy, man. The most unpredictable three weeks in sports. And just for confirmation, I decided to wear my hat. Uh, my <laughs> madness hat, man, just to confirm uh, that, uh, you know what, it's that time of the year. And I'm just I'm just so excited about it all across the board because this is the closest that a lot of these guys are ever going to get to maybe playing on the NBA floor or big stage, that type of uh, level or whatnot, and uh, just trying to make some dreams come true, man. So I just, I'm, I'm just here for the ride, my brother. Hey, man, as you should, it is one of the most exciting times, even though the circumstances have dictated that everything be played in one particular state and around the same area. But it's still exciting nonetheless once you're inside the arenas uh, that these games are being played. One thing I want to go over, because I'm from the West Coast, so you know I'm always going to represent for the Pac-12. Pac-12 basketball has really come on really strong in the last couple of years, especially in this year's tournament, where the tournament started out with at least five Pac-12 schools, and now we're down to at least three Pac-12 schools right now. Uh, Two in particular, the UCLA Bruins and the USC Trojans, for the first time, have entered into the Elite Eight 
in history. What have you seen from the UCLA Bruins that made them so successful? Because they really had a great game on Sunday uh, against the Alabama Crimson Tide, who took them to overtime. And then also we saw a Pac-12 showdown between the Oregon Ducks and the USC Trojans, who pretty much uh, dominated, uh, to me, seemed like between mid-first half and then the rest of the game. So what did you see from UCLA and Alabama? And then talk to me about USC and Oregon. Yeah, no doubt. First time ever that two teams seated 11th or lower advanced to the lead eight in the same season, that being Oregon State and UCLA. But first up, I guess UCLA. Uh, listen, I mean, they've played an extra game than everybody else that's still standing. They were playing in the first four, knocked out Michigan State, who's typically a power around this time of the year that everybody wants to stay out of their way. Uh, UCLA, they embraced that. Uh, and, and why it wasn't necessarily looking good in the first half. Listen, second half, they came out flaming. They haven't looked back since. Mick Cronin, is, is, you know, what Mick Cronin has kind of implemented uh, into this team, you know, he's kind of trying to change the, the Westwood culture uh, a little bit. And by saying that, especially and particularly on the defensive end, at one point these guys were not allowed to practice with US, UCLA uh, representation because he wanted their toughness to kind of improve. And I think that that's what you've been seeing since he's gotten there, taking some baby steps. This is really just the beginning. Watching that game against Alabama, I felt like they needed to flex their muscles a little bit because they are the predominant basketball institution. Probably wouldn't have been the greatest look in the world, no shot at Alabama, but they are the predominant football institution. Uh, but when you start talking about guys like Johnny Juzang and the job that he's been doing, a transfer from Kentucky originally uh, from the L.A. area, Hami Hawkins, who's very underrated. They're doing all of this without Chris Smith, who was essentially the guy that was coming back from uh, considering the NBA draft. I mean, you got to tip your caps to these guys. Uh, when you start talking about that other team in USC, they're the biggest team in college basketball, and everybody's going to talk about the Mobley brothers, Isaiah and Evan, who's likely going to be or all but at this point a top five lottery pick in June's NBA draft, the way he's swatting shots. And if you didn't see the dunk that he had on Eugene Omori on yesterday, that was definitely the dunk. <laughs> that was the dunk of the tournament. Oh, boy. I, I, think that, I think that one might have been the dunk of any basketball, uh, NBA or not, this entire season. But uh, even more so, I think that maybe the X factor for this particular team probably – I would have to say is uh, uh, is 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 uh, Taj, uh, one of the guards, Taj Edie on this on this squad. And listen, they haven't been shy about saying it. They've been saying not only has the Pac-12 been disrespected, but we've been disrespected as a program as well. Really felt like they needed to come out and put a huge uh, stamp on yesterday's game because of the fact that they beat Oregon in earlier's matchup, and uh, and Oregon ended up went still winning the regular season conference championship. So Andy Enfield, I feel like I haven't really heard his name a whole lot uh, after his run to uh, the Sweet 16 with Dunk City and Florida Gulf Coast. Dude seems like he's been stealing more money than Floyd Mayweather, but he definitely has been deserving it as of late because they're on their way to the Elite Eight and got a chance. Even though it's going to be hefty, it's going to be tough, but uh, they, 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 they definitely have their hands full in trying to get back to the, to, to the Final Four. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, I will say this much, man. I think the dunk is close, but to me, Anthony Edwards still has the dunk of the year, regardless. Right. And he, oh, absolutely. He took, he snatched the soul out that guy. That guy ain't recovered since. But it's very close, though. That dunk, that, that dunk, that USC dunk was very, very close. Speaking of close, when you look at 
uh, Gonzaga, obviously, to being a, a number one seed, along with Michigan being a number one seed. Uh, Michigan pretty much took care of their business uh, over the weekend against Florida State. Uh, Creighton tried to hang around a little bit uh, before Gonzaga was able to really pull away uh, and then really leave them in the dust. But talk to me a little bit about Gonzaga, because we know they come from the West Coast Conference, not the most uh, glamorous or dynamic conference in the world. Now they're going ahead to face uh, USC in the Elite Eight. What are the chances uh, that USC upsets uh, Gonzaga and moves on to the Final Four? And what does Gonzaga have to do to stay in the hunt for the Final Four, being that they're the number one seed? Yeah, I don't think very many people are going to give USC a chance, and I think that's just because of how dominant uh, Gonzaga has looked all season. To make no mistake about it, I get it. It's well-deserved and well-warranted, but let's not uh, get ahead of our skis a little bit uh, we wasn't that long ago, five or six years ago, we was talking about a Kentucky team in 2015. I was 38 in a goose egg uh, and ran up on a Wisconsin team. Now, whether they overlooked them or whatever the case may have been, they weren't that successful and, and, and they couldn't achieve the same things that we haven't seen since 1976 in Indiana Hoosiers, where they did it unbeaten. By the way, in the same year that uh, Kentucky and Duke Last time they didn't make it to the NCAA tournament in the same year was that same season. Indiana was unbeaten uh, and won the whole thing. And here it is. Kentucky and Duke never gotten this thing. And Gonzaga's unbeaten for whatever that's worth. But I will say enough to say this, um, that we're talking about a UCLA team that probably has, I'm not sure if there's a higher letter grade than an A++. Uh, but they're definitely going to have to play that, talking about the Trojans. And then Gonzaga, listen, I mean, a lot of people aren't going to talk about the weaknesses. They probably don't have enough. I think there are a couple concerns, one of them being the big man in the middle in Drew Timmy. Uh, you put him in a situation where uh, maybe you get him in foul trouble in combination of that and Corey Kispert maybe not having a great shooting night. I know all of this sounds kind of fairy tale, but I still think that it's possible, especially when you're a team as big as uh, USC is. Uh, you know, they don't really have that depth in terms of talent on the bench. Uh, and, and I think that there's some ways that you can kind of punk them in those regards. But it's and I, and, I, and I don't know who can see this. I, I'm not sure if we, we got the viewing, but I just picked up this magazine, Nick. I just picked up this magazine, the best college basketball teams of all time. If Gonzaga does not find a way to be the one on on, on the 5th of April in Indianapolis, standing on the ladder with the scissors in hand, winning that national championship. You ain't got to worry about me picking them in my bracket again. They can be out there with 67 other guys from the PAL League, rec, rec ball, church league, whatever. I'll never pick them in my bracket again, bro. This is going to tell it all for me. So uh, d is this the best team Mark Few has ever had? I don't know the answer to that. I think that this is definitely the best situation that he's ever been in. Uh, but nonetheless, they, there's no need of us talking about all that other stuff until they get past. You got to go game by game and not look too far ahead. They've got UCL, USC up next. I think it's going to be a tough task. Ultimately, I think they'll do it, which they're supposed to. Well, listen, I always treated Gonzaga like the Buffalo Bills of basketball, college basketball. They always get right there, but never able to close the deal. And it could be a situation similar to that this year against USC because I've looked at USC. Uh, for a good portion of the season. And these guys are long, they're athletic, they know how to stretch the floor. Um, and I think that they played against much, much tougher competition. As we all know, when you play against tougher competition, it makes you tougher. Um, and when you're going through cakewalks, a lot of times that can give you a false sense of reality. 
when it comes to saying, hey, okay, we are the number one seed. We can beat these guys. Uh, but then they take them for granted. A couple of turnovers here and there, a couple of missed baskets here and there can easily uh, they get back out. You know, USC gets back out in transition, easily can turn the, the, the game over to a whole different uh, situation. So when I look at this, that game, to me, that game is going to be a very pivotal game for both programs, not just the Gonzaga program, but for the USC program. I want to turn a, across the way uh, to UCLA uh, going against Jawan Howard's Michigan Wolverines. Now, Jawan Howard, to me, has done a fantastic job with this entire program, with the circumstances that we've all had to face dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and then those coaches and coaching staffs that have to deal with and adjust and deal with their players who have been in and out, whether it's through injury or COVID-19 protocol, they've done a phenomenal job. And I think Jawan Howard has definitely brought pride back to the Michigan Wolverines basketball program uh, that was much needed. And so, but these, this is a tough squad. I mean, I like I liked the way they like to, they like to run the floor. I like the way that they're actually really be able to envision in, in their half-court offense how to go about the ball movement and what have you. Uh, but then UCLA, to me, UCLA, this is probably the hungriest I've seen a UCLA Bruins team uh, under Mick Cronin in quite a while since he arrived. And I think from day one, Mick Cronin has always talked about the hunger and the tenacity and the ability to, to, to like you said earlier, bring a toughness and also have a, a very high basketball IQ to the floor. What do you see in this matchup between UCLA and Michigan? And what does UCLA have to do to get get past Michigan and get to the Final Four, possibly? Yeah, UCLA is not necessarily really one of the bigger teams. It's really going to be about the guard play, particularly um, for them. Now, they've knocked out one Michigan team already, got a chance to do it all over again. Uh, Hami Hakez, I think, is, you know, and arguably one of the best players in the country. And a lot of people would, wouldn't really say that. Certainly underrated or certainly underappreciated. And then you got Johnny Juzang as, you know, kind of like a tag along to him as well. Uh, that's a nice little one-two scoring punch, if you will, a transfer from Kentucky uh, who has a little bit of athleticism, but definitely a lot more comfortable now that he's out of Lexington and now into Westwood. Um, you know, they, and then they're going out there without one of their best players in Chris Smith as well. Now you start talking about the Michigan Wolverines who has a little bit more girth up front. One reason why I do believe that UCLA has more than a puncher or fighter's chance in this thing is because of the inexperience from Michigan. Now, if you did watch uh, the game on yesterday against Florida State you probably couldn't tell it but there is some inexperience when you start talking about being without Isaiah Livers who's not only their best player on the team but also their most experienced player on the team having to fill that void with guys like Shondi Brown who's done a phenomenal job filling in for him uh, occupying that spot but he's a transfer from Wake Forest as good as he is they've never been to the big dance so he doesn't have that experience at the point guard position very similar in football very pivotal position you're not going to go out there and win a Super Bowl without a quarterback essentially uh, and that's what the point guard spot is especially on this level at this time of the year Mike Smith has done a great job at, uh, up to this point um, but he's a transfer as well out of the Ivy League from Columbia he doesn't have the experience the big man in the middle when you start talking about um, when you start talking about Hunter Dickinson who's one of the best players in the country, hands down, certainly as a freshman. I don't think anybody will argue that. Again, a freshman, not the experience. Hell, the coach in Jawan Howard, this is his first time coaching in the NCAA tournament. He doesn't have the experience either. 
uh, I definitely got to give Juwan his credit, much like how you did, not only doing what he did in Ann Arbor this year, but the way that he's done what he's done. I'm sure it only helps that they have the number one recruiting class coming in in the country on next year. Uh, but he's doing everything that we thought maybe Patrick Ewing, Penny Hardaway, guys like that was going to do. Never a question about who he was from a recruiting standpoint, more so questions about who he was from a clipboard X's and O's standpoint. That, those questions are answered now. They're obviously a really good team, shared the ball extremely well, got the chemistry, and he's relatable to his guys. And right now they're playing with a confidence that's sky high. Absolutely, man. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Lastly, before I let you get on out of here, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who was in your original Final Four? Who do you have going to the Final Four? And who do you have ultimately winning it all and cutting down my, the nets? My original Final Four was Gonzaga, uh, Houston, Purdue, and Florida State. So I've got two left in there between Houston and Gonzaga. Um, uh, going on to the, the, fi uh, the Final Four, I think it will be Houston, Baylor, uh, Michigan, uh, and Gonzaga. I like Gonzaga to cut down the nets, win a national championship. Listen, if you want the all-time big-time ratings and this and that, put Baylor and Michigan – I'm sorry, put Baylor and Gonzaga up against each other. That's what everybody's been wanting. That's not just this year. You start going yeah. back to last year and looking at the four best teams nationally, consistently and persistently, you had Dayton, you had Gonzaga, you had San Diego State, and you had Baylor. Two of those teams are still in it. They were supposed to play earlier in the year. That got postponed, canceled, whatever words you want to use. Let's find out. You remember when Kobe and LeBron was supposed to play and they did the right. public commercials and it never happened and everybody was disappointed. We never saw what that looked like. I don't want to feel that way again. Let's put these two teams, if they're worthy, let's put both of those two teams in the event that they advance and go up against each other and find who's going to cut down those nets. I'm looking forward to it and I can't wait. All right. I'm going to go Gonzaga. I'm going to go Gonzaga on that All one, right. by the way. Okay. Well, you heard it from the one and only Deshaun Tate, basketball analyst, podcast host. Thank you so much, man, for sharing your insight. Uh, hopefully the uh, these games will go ahead and, and, and take care of themselves, as it were, and uh, we'll, ha we'll have a champion, and you can finally go get some sleep and some much-needed rest. No, I appreciate that. Do you mind if I plug the pod? Please, by all means. Okay. Follow along at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S on social media. We call it Where Basketball Lives. Uh, anywhere you find your favorite podcast, it's called Tate's Take. Just hover over that little magnifying glass located on the search bar, put in Tate's Take. Uh, you know, we don't save it for the local barbershop. We don't save it for the local sports bar. Go and subscribe. I promise you it takes less than 30 seconds unless you got an Obama phone and I ain't got nothing to do with me. Make sure that you go and subscribe. Tell everybody you know, your friends, your, 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 tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your baby mama, where they can find the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast takes take thank you so much uh nick for having me on hey man thank you he's available on all streaming platforms tell everybody tell everybody man woman and child all about the podcast thank you so much man and we'll definitely talk to you soon buddy looking forward to it thanks much thank you all right y'all that's our show for this week thank you so much for tuning in i'd like to thank my guest ashley nicole moss along with deshaun tate for coming on hope you enjoyed the program make sure you download subscribe to us at tma with nick hamilton on all streaming platforms I'd like to thank everybody at sirius xm everybody at slam radio 145 and yours truly thanks you 
as well as the fans and the listeners for taking time out of your schedule to check us out each and every week. We'll be back next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, here on SiriusXM, Slam Radio 145. Until next time, stay sharp. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.